Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICRadio.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Under Review on VICRadio.org. I'm Clayton Davis alongside Jeremy Goldstein, Ethan Burge, and Kyle DeSantis. I know we still have to put you into the intro, but, you know, you're still here, and you're present and all that good stuff, so it's all good. Um, how you guys doing? I know Ethan was rearing to go out of bed early this morning and excited to talk. I am. I wake up every single day locked and loaded, no matter what, and I was ready to go today. I'm excited. Episode number, actually not episode number two, but our second, our second of the semester. So we're just kind of getting into the uh, the swing of things. But I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Kyle? You got to share two mics between four people. I'm going to be looking forward to that for the show. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting for sure. What was very interesting was on Thursday night. Um, I know we have three out of the four uh, Giants fans in here right now. Um, a crazy game, absolutely crazy against the Washington football team. Losing basically on a on a field goal and you know a, a botched penalty by the Giants. Can you guys just talk about the emotions that you had well, from the Giants? Well, uh, there were a lot of emotions felt, but the, uh, accordingly, the NFL called the Giants and, and told them he Dexter Lawrence wasn't off sides. And if you watch the video, I don't know if I can even tell. But I don't know if he specifically jumped. It's really hard because he moved. You, you're allowed to move on defense, but you, you yeah. have to cross the line. And you can't really tell if he did. According to the NFL, it was a wrong call, which which just, uh, it makes it worse. At this point, if you're going to call it, uh, make it, I wish he actually did cross. It's so it's it's a little dumb. But yeah, uh, a lot of there's a lot of angry emotions after that game because the Giants should have easily won. And the fact there's there's so many things that go on like penalties, drops. Uh, defensive discipline that just make you realize maybe this team hasn't changed that much and it's kind of sad yeah I agree I agree uh, that's really disappointing and it, it was that field goal that put the Giants to sleep but the Giants should have not been in that situation it was in the fourth quarter with the lead and busted zone coverage allowed Darius Slayton to be wide open yeah. down the field and Daniel Jones you can say he overthrew him a little bit but it was in and out of um, his outstretched fingertips of Darius Slayton, and that's disappointing because when I tell you he was wide open, there was nobody in the general vicinity. He It was 20 yards before there was another defender. All Slayton had to do was just catch the ball and run into the end zone, and the Giants would have went up two, two possessions and probably would have won that game. So it's not just the offsides, but the offsides is the icing on the cake. But listen, this Giants football team, they don't look a lot different than they did last year. What I The one thing that I will say is that Daniel Jones played a good game and he almost ran for 100 yards. He should have had more than 100 yards. He had a 50-something yard touchdown that got called back due to a holding penalty, which just the flags are just hurting this Giants team a whole ton. But, I mean, you got to put his performance in perspective, and I think he played a pretty good game. He threw for almost 250 yards and a touchdown. And Daniel Jones didn't play a horrible game. I think he put the Giants in a good position to win. But listen, he's going to be criticized for that throw at the end because it seems like every single week there's one little thing that Daniel Jones kind of gets criticized for for the game, and I think that might be it. Yeah, and I know we were talking about penalties a bit before, and the penalty that really stands out to me I was listening to around the first half of the game was with the the read option where Jones took it and ran 50-plus yards for the touchdown that got pulled back to a, a holding call was on C.J. Board where if that call wasn't on the board, and again, we could hypothesize all we want, the Giants wouldn't have been in that situation where the field goal that could help them lose the game. 
You know, I agree. Um, also worth noting that someone needs to – the league needs to put watch on Terry McLaurin. He's everywhere. He, he is. He is. He, yes. yeah. he, might, he might have a monster, monster, monster season. He is so slippery. I don't know how you guard him one-on-one. He's almost unguardable in man coverage. He's uh, – even last week uh, – but also, I mean, this Washington team has played two really good football games so far. Even last week when they lost to the Chargers, they played a really competitive game. And personally for myself, I think the Chargers are a team that may win 10-plus games this year. So I think that Washington's played great. They've proved a lot more to me than I've seen out of anything so far. Obviously, we have a whole slate of football today and another game tomorrow night. And this – I mean – Taylor Taylor Heineke played a played a great, a great game. I mean, he made a couple really really good throws, specifically to Ricky Seals Jones in the end zone. He only had one catch, but that throw by Heineke to the back corner was pretty pretty impressive, especially for a guy who was a backup in the XFL just two years ago. Yeah, that's certainly true. Yeah, Tyler Heineke, um, by the way, had three hundred and thirty six yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, Jeremy, can you go into you know how he played or? You know, yeah. any other points? Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I think last year we it was proved, proven that Heineke does have something. Somebody who was so close to retiring got his last juice of life in the NFL and, and has really made it work. No, but yeah, I mean, so th- I'm really concerned that about... Uh, he had an interception in the game, but James Bradbury has not done what he did last year in terms of covering number one corners at a successful rate, obviously. McLaurin's McLaurin, but last year on, in Denver, he was having trouble with Tim Patrick, I believe it was, which is a little, a little annoying. But I, I, it's crazy because I know this team has the talent. They have, they have good defenders. They have good players on offense. Daniel Jones, I actually think it's looked good this season so far, except for one fumble in the first game of the year. They, it's just got to click. It's just got to click, yeah. It's got to click it. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely tough when you lose to these divisional matchups, you know, so early on in the season as well. I agree. Um, you know, thinking about it. So actually, when the coming into this game, Daniel Jones was four and zero against the Washington football team, and zero and five on primetime games. So that streak ends. One of those streaks ends. He's four and one versus Washington now, and zero and six in primetime games. Listen, the Giants haven't won a primetime game in now two-and-a-half-something years. It's been a while since they've done something on the big stage. And just to go back to my rant about Washington, I'm not putting any excuses. The Giants should have won this game 100%, but I just think Washington's a better football team than I little I expected. They, they played a good game, and both offenses looked really good. I mean, just looking at the stat line, Sterling Shepard, who lit it up back in Week 1, had one catch for negative nine yards. Imagine starting him in fantasy after he put up his week last week, and then he has point one of a point. I mean, that's terrible. And it wasn't as if the Giants the Giants pl- played pretty good run defense as well. I mean, 13 carries for Gibson, only 69 yards. His longest run was only 14 yards. That was the longest Washington run of the entire game. The Giants, the Giants up front played well. It's just that Heineke was tearing them up. That makes you wonder if Heineke's going to do this against your secondary, which you did get some support. You brought in Dory Jackson, and you have guys back there that you expected to get the job done like McKinney and Holmes and Bradbury, as, as Jeremy alluded to, what are other teams that are have elite offenses going to do to this team? And that, that's what worries me. I have worries now for this team that I hoped I wouldn't because we saw this early last year, but the Giants improved and they got better as the year went on. So you can only hope for the best. I think Joe Judge is still the right guy for the job. He came out and said some really inspiring things in the postgame that – you know, you want to hear I've had a coach that, listen, we're going to keep working. This was supposed to be our game, and it wasn't, and we have holes that we need to work on. Because take away the 
take away Heineke tearing those Giants up. I mean, 34 for 46. I mean, that's an unbelievable game. There's holes that need to be filled, but, I mean, if the Giants aren't a terrible football team. I'll say that. I don't think they're going to be... I think this team could still win five to six games, which is not making them an elite football team or a great football team by any means, but I think there's... There's the Giants can win some football games this year. I don't think it's going to be a horrible, horrible season. And, and especially considering it's the NFC East, we all know what happened last 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 year with the NFC East, where how close the division was. Although none of the teams were particularly like outstanding in terms of the record wise, losses like these are, are going to hurt you down the road. They're really going to hurt you down the road. And I know for the Giants, again Joe Judge and Co. They're going to be looking forward to get back on track and get back in the winning column this season after this game. They're going to keep this game in the back of their mind for the future, and I'm hoping it leads to some good things down the road. So what improvements do you guys want to see for next week's game against Atlanta? What do you think are some you know adjustments that they need to make, that Joe Judge needs to make, or the offense needs to make? I know that Saquon also wasn't really involved. You know That could be an improvement, too. What do you guys think about that? Well, there's already one improvement I did see from week one to week two, and that was time of possession. What really killed the Giants in Week 1 is they got destroyed in the time of possession battle. The Broncos had the ball for oh, way too long. And I, when the Giants finally did get that ball back with a chance to put points on the board, Daniel Jones fumbled. And while that was really his only mistake of that game that really cost them, it cost them a lot. But going back to Week 2, they, they had the ball for the majority of the game. Heineke just made, made more use of when, when, when his, he was on offense. Just, just play a cleaner game is what I want to see next next Sunday against Atlanta. No drops. You got to re- really reduce those penalties because that kind of really killed the Giants at the end of the day. Reduce those penalties. Play an overall cleaner game. Just make less less mental mistakes. I think that's literally the key to, to being a team like Atlanta next week. And then once you get a win, which is it's a huge game next week against a team who's not very good, if, if they can get a win against Atlanta, I think it will be a confidence booster because the team will know what it's like to win a game. And then we'll see what happens against some better teams down the road. I think Saquon's involvement is going to increase, of course, as he kind of works in that knee. Because initially, I mean, just a couple months ago, we didn't know if he was even going to be ready to play for the start of the season. And he broke out uh, a pretty good run, I would say. At least once he broke one through and made a couple moves in the backfield, went into the second level. And just when Saquon Barkley gets into the second level with momentum, he's dangerous. He's one of, he's one of the best in the game, if not the best in the game. So he was able to do that at least once. You'd hope you get that more often. But obviously the carries will increase for Saquon, and I think his involvement's going to help this offense out a lot more. It's going to open it up, because think about it. Now, all of a sudden, when Jones is in, in, excuse me, when he's under pressure and things aren't going right, you're always going to have Saquon to his right for a dump-off. And I know Jones is working onto that, but, I mean, if you look at Saquon's best years, Eli Manning would just kind of flick it to Saquon in the backfield, let him go one-on-one, because if Saquon's got a chance to go one-on-one, you take it nine times out of ten, because who's making an on-field tackle against Saquon Barkley in the backfield? But, yeah, I, I would love to see a lot of things improve. But specifically, Jeremy has said the time possession the Giants won that 31 minutes to 28 minutes. So there's an room of improvement. But, yeah, just got to play another clean game. Because the Giants actually didn't turn the ball over once. And in yeah. a game where it was that close and the Giants lost by a point, I would have expected to wake up the next morning and see a turnover in the stat sheet. But I didn't. So the offense didn't play a horrible game. The offense was moving the ball. But for next week, they're playing Atlanta, a team who – was kind of embarrassed in week one, only put up six points, no touchdowns. This this has got to be a must-win game next week for the Giants. they got to get back on track. If you fall down 0-3, just not looking good, especially with 
When you look back at probably three games, two out of three, you probably should have won. And yeah, the, the Giants got, got absolutely got to make it happen next week. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely uh, going to catch up to them as they start playing divisional ranked opponents as well. Kyle, do you have any thoughts? I really don't have like something that can improve, and so I might not necessarily answer this question, but I know for Bradbury, the, the first cornerback for the Giants, he's going to have against Calvin Ridley against Falcons, so I feel like that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. So that, that was all I was really thinking about. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we head into our next segment and take a break? Uh, yeah, we, we, we could take a break. We could take a break, yeah. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll jump back to NFL soon. Yep, sounds good. Uh, coming up, we got AL Wildcard. Uh, update, you know, from last week as we talked about it. You're listening to Under Review on BICRadio.org. Sad. So very, very sad. Listen to Sad Lad Hours Mondays at 10 to midnight on VIC Radio. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives matter. You are listening to VIC Radio, the only radio station that can teach robots how to love. The best of what's next. At VIC, the voice of Ithaca College, we prioritize diversity and inclusion. We are working to ensure that more voices are heard. We support and will continue to support the Black Lives Matter movement and victims of police brutality and racial injustice. We've heard you. We support you. We must advocate for change. Black Lives Matter. This is Under Review with Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICRadio.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Under Review on VICRadio.org. Now let's get into some baseball talk uh, with the AL and NL wildcard race as we head into October. A lot of interesting games uh, everyone is pretty much close. Um, the Red Sox are at the top. Um, they got the fr- they're in the first AL wild card spot, followed by Toronto, and then you got the Yankees and the Oakland Athletics, as well as the Seattle Mariners, who are also competing for that spot. Any interesting uh, tidbits that you guys want to talk about for the AL wild card race? Yeah, I was really frustrated yesterday because the Yankees went into yesterday in that second spot, half a game behind Boston, and then half a game in front of Toronto. And they went out there after winning eight to nothing on Friday and laid a goose egg. Well, not laid a goose egg, but they played a really bad game against Cleveland. Luis Hill got the start. Uh, he lasted four and two thirds. Gave up, I guess, three runs because after he came out, Albert Abreu let his other runs, his, his base runner score. But it's, it's frustrating to see these these games happen against against bad teams. I mean, the Yankees have one more game against Cleveland today, three against Texas next week, and then it becomes Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. Nine, nine games against really tough teams. I'm a little concerned because, yes, they're half a game back. Literally, they can be in it again by the end of the night if Toronto loses and the Yankees win. But uh, the time's running out, and Boston has Baltimore for four more games this season. Toronto gets to play Minnesota for four more games this season. The Yankees are going to have to 
beat the Red Sox and the Blue Jays if they're going to want to inevitably make this spot. It's those series that are going to really determine who makes it, I believe, because if one of these guys sweeps, that might put a finishing touch on it. I'm not quite sure. The Yankees are in this, though, and hopefully they can string a win streak of like four or five together one more time this season and make that final push and make that wild card. Definitely, for sure. Yeah. Ethan? Yeah, that's what's going to need to happen because the schedule isn't easy for the Yanks, and of course, they know that. They know that they don't have an easy schedule coming up, but you got to win today against Cleveland, and you got to win the next three against Texas because after that, you're not guaranteed a thing with on the road for Boston, on the road for Toronto, and then back home for Tampa Bay for the last three. I just think that this is, the Yankees aren't out of it. It's it's going to be with them, it's going to be two out of the, these three teams. I think the Mariners kind of had their shot to really jump back in it against the Red Sox and. They lost uh, a couple bad games after starting off the series hot, but they weren't really re- weren't necessarily able to get the job done. Um, Max Tanzer, we love you, but um, I don't know if it's looking too hot right now. Uh, Oakland, two games out, they're going to need to make a push because they need to climb the Yankees, and they're two back. And guys, there's only two weeks left in the season. We only have most teams only have eleven or twelve games left. Yeah. So this is a lot. It's getting a, the the line is the line is getting a lot thinner right now, but. This is a, this is a fun race. I think Boston's going to be in it no matter what right now. To be honest, and Toronto and the Yankees are gonna are gonna battle it out for that last spot. But actually, I mean, looking at it, everyone is so close right now. I mean, the Yankees are only a game and a half back from Boston, and they play them ah, in a three game set. They only have game. No, no, I'm talking about from behind Boston. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy's like, no, no, I know what they are. Well, here's the big. Here's the good news. Garrett Cole's pitching today, so that hopefully translates to a win, but he did not look healthy last time, and I hope he's, his hamstring feels good today. You want to um, get the roller and drive down to uh, the Bronx, and we'll, uh, we'll roll out his hamstring for you so we get, we get a quality start, or what? Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I, I heat it. Yeah, you're right. Do you have the health techniques, uh, Jeremy, to be able to do that? Do you no. think so? <laughs> but, uh, so I don't know why I'm the training staff. No, I got you. Uh, Kyle. How do you how do you feel about uh, the Yankees' chances moving down the stretch? Again, obviously, just from looking at the wild card, both Boston and Oakland have won four straight. Those are two things to keep in mind. And I know one thing with – I remember this from last week's show. I know Jeremy was talking about the, the Yankees' nine games, at least from last week, where, again, it was Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Texas was up there. And immediately when I was looking at the schedule out of, like, the next three series and – Again, that loss against Cleveland yesterday, it, speaking of the former, at least in this case from the former Yankees manager, it's not what you want for the Yankees right now. And again, tonight's must must win against Cleveland. You got three against Texas, which you, you really have to take care of because obviously the next three series, again, as Ethan said, you're not guaranteed to win almost any of those games. Well, I'll tell you what, and I know we'll, we'll – we'll... Dipped up back and forth in between leagues. I'll tell you who's really not in it anymore. The New York Mets in the National yeah. League. Switching over to the National League. The, while losing a ton of one-run games, they are now with seven games back. So they're actually almost eliminated from contention, which is kind of crazy to think about. Because last week we were doing the show. They had a shot to get back in it. They were just a few games out of that wild card spot. But they lost a lot of games this week against teams they needed to beat. They got swept by the Cardinals. They lost two straight to the Phillies. Ethan, I want to hear your thoughts on the Mets' performance this week. They lost five straight, too. Um, there's nothing to say about it, but I'll tell you what um, I will bring up. 
Don't, don't counter. You stay, talk about the Mets. <laughs> I'm trying to look for something. Okay, I found it on my phone now. I'll tell you some team that's been getting the job done because the Mets obviously did not get the job done. They lost every single game this week, so there's nothing to comment. They're not a playoff team. I'm slowly, I've been slowly accepting that fact since mid-August, and now it's hitting reality. So, yeah, I'm upset about it, Jeremy. Ugh, man, that made me upset. Anyway, the St. Louis Cardinals have not lost the game since September 10th. They deserve a playoff spot. I think they're going to get it. I'm not saying they're going to do anything with that with that spot and beat the Dodgers or the Giants in a wild card game because I don't think they will. But listen, they won two out of three against Cincinnati coming into the weekend. It was between the Mets and the Cardinals. Listen, the Mets had a chance. They needed to win two out of three against the Cardinals, but they didn't. The Cardinals played a couple really good games. Tuesday night, the Mets should have won, but they didn't. And Monday and Wednesday, the Mets got dominated. So what are you going to do? Then they they go to New York and they play like that. Absolute domination. And then they, they host San Diego and they beat them two times in a row and they have a chance for a sweep today. This team is getting the job done. That's all that matters. You play meaningful baseball in September to w- play games like that. And they've been doing it, man. They've been doing it. There's not You, you can... I mean, there's not much to say for the Mets right now. I don't really want to talk about them. There's not, they're not worth talking about right now when we're talking about the playoff race. I'm sorry that this team led the division for, th- for three months, and now it's just they're not getting the job done. There's room for improvement, but I think that's worth talking about more down the line when the offseason comes around. The Mets aren't worth talking about right now. They don't, they don't deserve us talking about them. I'm upset about it. And, yeah. I think it's, it's worth talking about because <laughs> this is a team that, I, if I recall correctly, Oh my God, Steve Cohen! Oh, best this owner is going to take us to the playoffs. And I, and I said, well, look, guys, this, I, I said this last spring under review. You have a new owner. You got well, you traded for Lindor. What else? Did you, what else did they do? And, and I, I didn't necessarily. Every every a lot of Mets fans, and I, I think you might be one of them, was so fixated on the fact that the okay. owner was going to translate to a playoff. Okay, run. they did a lot more than just sign Lindor. I hope you know that they brought in uh, one of the top five relievers in baseball, and Trevor May. Top he just. Five. Last season in 2020, absolutely. Look at his numbers, Jeremy. Let's go on baseball reference. Come on, pull it up. He was a great reliever. Jonathan VR and Taiwan Walker ended up being two of the best free agent signings of the year, by the way. Absolutely no doubt. Also, Walker's inked for two more. Listen, the Mets were in a great spot. They lost Jacob deGrom, who was literally an automatic win the first half of the year. Injury. Noah Syndergaard just never came back. Lindor missed a lot of time. And his second half, all of his numbers are above his average in his career. So listen, the Mets just, they, they got hurt in the bat in wrong spots, and they had a bad month of August. Listen, all I'm saying is that I was never the guy to come out here and say, oh, Steve Cohen's going to bring us a World Series. Did I ever say that? Did I ever come on this thing and say that? <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy's just shaking his head. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I never, there are a lot of fanboys who would come out and say that. All I say is that I trust the process, and how could you not be exciting when this is, the Mets' ownership has been so bad for so long, and a guy comes in with money, and he literally brings in one of the biggest superstars in the sport who happened to throw it in your face on Sunday Night Baseball. We didn't even get to talk about that. Francisco Lindor, he's the biggest superstar in New York baseball. I mean, come on, man, come on. And they have not won a game since, I believe. <laughs> Jeremy just can't accept the fact that the Mets took the season series against the Yankees 4-2. to two. Lindor showed up on the biggest stage on Sunday Night Baseball with every baseball fanatic watching the Subway Series. It was the biggest weekend of the year for New York baseball. Maybe one of the biggest weekends in New York baseball in the Something past true, yeah. five to six years because there hasn't been a good... Actually, I mean, the Yankees have been in the playoffs, but they bust every single year, so it doesn't matter anyway. But, I mean, Lindor steps up. He hits a three-run bomb in the, fir- in the second inning. Oh, you're, oh you're, I thought you were watching Lindor highlights over there, Jeremy. <laughs> um, 
Then he goes to the right side of the plate. He smokes one fourth, 430 dead center. But then in the biggest moment of the game, after jawing with another $300 million player, John Carlos Stanton at shortstop. Lindor can talk the talk. He can also walk the walk. He goes out there and absolutely lights up Chad Green. Again, absolutely reminiscent of 2017. I mean, it's Jeremy, stop bringing the mic away from me. It's just he loves hitting against Chad Green. And, oh, my God, he's going to destroy the Yankees for years to come. I'll yeah, tell you what does this make, mean? Like, make, what, like, does, ultimately, like, what does this prove? This is you know? not- I mean, it just yeah. proves that the New York rivalry is going to be back. I think we're going to play some really fun games next year because of this. And Lindor's one of the biggest superstars in, the, in New York now. I mean, I don't see Aaron Judge doing that, man. I think Aaron Judge is having a great year, but, I mean, he's a boring player. The Yankees are boring. The Mets are where it's at, and the Mets are going to be good for years to come. I'm excited for it. This wasn't our year, but listen, I said trust the process, three to five years. Look what you guys got me doing. This is 830 in the morning, and I, my heart rate is way too high. <laughs> I would I would trade... <laughs> <laughs> whatever that happened this season with having a chance at the playoffs this year. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, absolutely. I'm just saying, I got I got to back myself up somehow. You're making me talk about the Mets. You, I, what am I going to do? Just sit here in the corner and put my head down? Yeah, you should because the Mets are an embarrassing team to baseball. And every listen, every year, every year, there's new roster moves and there's... There's not new on roster moves like what they did this year. Are you kidding me? Yes, there's always new roster moves, and they Jeremy, always disappoint me. They're going to win the division. They're, they're not. They're place. not. I, I'm not saying they're. They're a fourth place team. Yeah, they are literally a game and a half out from being a second place team. But they're in fourth right now, and they're not even going to make the playoffs because I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to lose two out of three against Texas after dropping today's game. Actually, you know what? I'll give them the benefit of that. They're going to win today in Cleveland. They're going to drop two out of three in Texas, and everyone's going to be like, uh oh, here we go. The Yankees, one more time. And. Then they have three straights. They have nine straight games against the guys that they're trailing. So they're absolutely in trouble. They don't get to play the Orioles anymore. Everyone else gets to play the Orioles. The Orioles just lost their 101st game yesterday. The The Diamondbacks now. Oh, yeah, they don't even play well against the Orioles. Listen, I'm just saying that. I gave the Yankees the benefit of the doubt, but I still think they're in trouble. And you're telling, you're talking to me like, oh, they're locks. They're not even going to win the wild card game if they get there. I didn't say they're a lock, but I said I all I said is I'd rather have a chance at the playoffs than lose a Subway Series. And that's not what the Mets have right now. Listen, I abs- you, you, you tell. Listen, I would do the exact same. Obviously, I wish the Mets were in the playoffs. But when you're making me talk about the Mets and you're making me talk about, of course, I'm going to bring that up. That was so worth talking about. That was the Francisco Lindor game, man. And Matt, that was that was good for baseball. That was one of the best games of the year. So regardless, we got to talk about it. Might be their last one of the season. So enjoy. Oh, <laughs> Kyle, what do you think? Yeah. Well- what do you got, Kyle? Kind of a hot take, but I don't think there will be playoff baseball in New York this October. Wouldn't be shocked. It's it's just I don't see it happening. Obviously, the Mets losers of five straight. I'm not I'm not going to go into that at all. But and in the case for the Yankees, good man, good man. Yes, you have four games against against teams that you should win. You should win against Cleveland. Obviously, they didn't last night. You should win against Texas. And then with that nine game slate against teams that are ahead of them. Tampa, Boston, Toronto, it's just I I don't see it happening. No, it's crazy though, because if, if this team can get over this hurdle, get into a wild card game with Cole on the mound, win the wild card game, I do think I they have it. the weapons. I, I it's, it's crazy, but I think I prefer Boston, but I think any team they play is gonna be a scary threat. It's it's hard. But the Yankees have the roster to win games. It's just they all gotta click. It, this season's been so just a roller coaster and it literally figuratively it has been. Because they, you have the thirteen game win streak and you have a couple of like six game losing streaks in there. This when this team is hot, they are a top team in baseball, but they, they aren't as good as they should be, which is the sad part. You know what? I mean, I, I think the Yankees are a good team. They have the talent to do it. And if they get there, 
I think they could do some damage. I'm not gonna lie. They, listen, they've had they they've had great production out of their some of their big guys this year, specifically Judge and Stanton. Both those guys for hit for 30 home runs this year. Judge Triple at 35. A, yeah. I mean, if you if you get in that production, if you told me six months ago that that's what you'd be getting, I would say yeah, the Yankees are a playoff team because if Stanton's playing all those games and hitting 30 bombs, it's working out. Not to mention Gallo, he may not get a lot of hits, but when he gets hits, they're home runs. So. You get him to connect with the ball in the wild card game, maybe with a couple of guys on base. You change the, it makes the game up a little bit. So the Yankees got to get there, but it's not going to be easy. And especially with those nine straight games to end the season against division opponents, the three teams that they're trailing, it's not. Yeah, they just got to get the job done for the next four days. If the Yankees want, the Yankees are going to put themselves in a good spot. You got to win today versus Cleveland, which I think they're going to do. And then they they, they got to they got to take two out of three at least from Texas because they're they're playing that game at home and then they go on the road for a week and that road trip is they can very well come back to New York in a very very different spot for the good or for the bad yeah and it can also be like a huge momentum killer because Texas is the second worst team in you know the AL so that could be Listen, huge too the Yankees got the Yankees got to get the job done and that's the, that's what it comes down to and I brought up the Cardinals because listen the Cardinals got the job done they played some really good games. Against the Cincinnati, then they shifted that momentum. And listen, playoff teams play dominant games in September, and that's what the Cardinals did. They they they, they threw they threw it in the Mets' face, and that's what the that's what the Yankees need to do this week. They got to throw it in these guys' faces and really really make it hurt if they're going to make a playoff run because the Yankees are still so close. As we said, just a half a game out, and still two weeks of baseball left. There's still so much time. We're going to talk about this in a week, and I won't be surprised if the Yankees are in a very similar position because this race has just been so, so unbelievable. Yeah, so specifically with the Yankees, what player do you guys feel as though that needs to step up in these last two weeks, you know, specifically with the Yankees, in order to get into that wild card spot? That's Andrew Heaney. That's a good qu- Andrew Heaney's not <laughs> going to make the playoff roster if they make the playoff roster. He's a joke. He's literally their human batting practice pitcher whenever they need to just eat, get somebody needs to eat innings. But I don't know if there's a specific player that needs to step up because I don't think anybody's locking behind. I mean, the answer I'm going to give you is starting pitching because the, when the Yankees had their 13-game win streak, they had a, an, an ERA around in the twos, and it's kind of doubled. To, I think not necessarily doubled, but it's in the fours now. And I'm not saying it needs to be in the twos. That's kind of ridiculous for it to stay there. But it's got to get better, and I think your offense looks so much worse night in and night out when – your pitching is bad. And I'm not looking at yesterday, the pitching is obviously a fault. They gave up 11 runs, but you also got to score more than three. So it's it's going to be interesting. Yankees got to get on the board early. That is something that I fault them at a lot. Sometimes they wait to score, and it's, it really takes the life out of the game for them. Other than that, though, I think the starting pitching needs to be consistent, and the Yankees will find themselves in a playoff spot. I was very close to saying the exact same thing. I think that there's no there's not one specific player, but it's the pitching. Because especially if you look back to the past couple of years, where the Yankees um, were eliminated from the playoffs, most of their, I mean, not necessarily in Tampa, but Houston the, the year before that and the year before that as well when they kind of just didn't have the pitching to compete in the playoff. And it, not not um, saying that anyone they were using was not as great. It's just that there was not enough depth. And listen, the playoffs are a battle. And especially when, I mean, the Yankees wouldn't have to worry about a seven-game series till the ALCS, but... That's still a fight, and they have to make sure that their guy Garrett Cole is healthy. If Garrett Cole is not healthy the rest of the way, it would be hard for me to believe that the Yankees are going to make the playoffs because they need him every fifth day. He's got to be that guy. You said he's going today, Jeremy? 
So he's going today. Um, I got the nod from Jeremy. Listen, that that's just what's got to happen because I think the offense is going to get it done. That's a fun, fun team that if they're playing in Yankee Stadium at a playoff game, or even these these late Septembers, it seems like that place is absolutely bumping. It's fun to be there, and I'm I, I'm sure it's fun to play there. And th- those guys know it. They're going to make it happen on the offensive end. That's not my worrisome. I'm more worried about the pitching. Yeah, and especially with the bullpen, you know, you got a lot of injuries that are coming up, you know, as well. You don't know. You know. I mean, so, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 it's okay. No, um, I just don't know who you trust in the eighth and ninth inning for the Yanks as well. I mean. Green's been inconsistent. What do you do with Chapman? Um, yeah, I mean, th- this team coming into this year, you're very confident in what you were going to get in the back seven, eight, nine of the ball game because of, I mean, because of track record. But they just haven't been necessarily performing to the back of their baseball card like they should be. I mean, that's the story for a lot of the Mets players. A lot of struggles in the offensive end. Guys not playing to their strength, and I think that's also what we're seeing in the Yankees bullpen just a little bit. Yeah, and I'm just like looking. I'm looking at the looking at the bullpen right now. Like, obviously Chapman and Green aren't like the best scenario. And looking at the who's injured, you got Zach Britton. Obviously, he was also kind of wobbly. Loizaga is a big hit for the Yankees bullpen. Obviously, showed that he has some promise this year. Darren O'Day, who's had experience, he's gone. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like potential options, and it's like. And this is more of a Jeremy question. Like, do you go for like a Michael King in like an eight and nine inning scenario if you were the Yankees right now? Michael King has his season's been crazy, and I and I think you it's you got to look at it in perspective. Especially if you if you watch Yankees games, you kind of get the, the the gist of, of him. They he had a bad spring training, brought him out of the pen for a bit beginning of the year, and he was pretty solid. And then they tried st- starting him in games, and he wasn't very good. This is a guy you got he, who's a bullpen. He's a bullpen guy, and you bring him out for two to three innings, and he will get the job done for you. He's a good innings eater. I think he he's somebody you should definitely be relying on in future games if you need if you need just a little boost from that bullpen, or maybe a little a little extra, a little a little maybe a few extra outs or something like that. But I don't know if he's a necessarily back end guy, even though they might need it because is a good is throwing program, but I don't know if he's going to be able to make it back before the end of the year. Okay. That's- Good point. Uh, before we move on, because I'm sure we're kind of wrapping up this Yankee segment, I'm sure it's, we should talk about just the NL just a little bit. Because yeah, I want to talk, talk about, about the NL definitely. I, I want to talk about the Padres. The Padres. We talked about the other side of that that battle between that that they're having this weekend in St. Louis because St. Louis has been so hot. But I just want to also follow up and say, listen, St. Louis has got the job done. I think they're going to find themselves in that second playoff spot because they deserve it. They've played phenomenal definitely. baseball, and especially Paul Goldschmidt. You know, oh, he's yeah. been playing great. Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, it's fun to watch these guys play, and especially the Brewers. They they are going to find a spot in the playoffs. They clinched last night. The Brewers are an absolute threat. That pitching scares me so much. So. That's worth talking about, but a team that's not going to make the playoffs, probably, the San Diego Padres. They were one of the best teams in baseball for the first month or two of the season. And listen, I mean, I don't want to compare, but them and the Mets are kind of in a similar situation. They both played really good first halves of the year. They th- People thought that, yeah, there's no doubt these two teams are going to be in the playoffs. And, I mean, for the Padres' sake, their division took off like no other with the Giants and the Dodgers, which was just fun to watch. But this Padres team got left in the dust. And even last night after Tati struck out looking, 
and came back into the dugout, and him and Manny Machado started jawing at each other. That's $641 million of beef right there. And they went at it. Manny Machado vividly heard screaming, this isn't about you. It's not, it's not all about you, Tat- like to Tatis. And that makes you wonder. I mean, Tatis, at such a young age, getting all this attention and all this love and all this respect, I almost saw this coming eventually. I yeah. mean, this guy has got to walk. It's impossible for him to not walk around with a high head because, listen, I mean, anybody would. If you're being praised to that matter of being the face of baseball and people literally coming up to you and, listen, talking about you as if you're a baseball god and he's still so young. And, I mean, it, there's a lot of frustration. You see it at this time of the year with teams who had playoff hopes and they're kind of watching it slip away. But, I mean, your thoughts on – if I'm going to swing it around the room to the thoughts on the Padres this season and just that fight last night. That's a lot of heat just coming from Padres or might not even make the playoffs because they were considered a lot going in. And then the San Francisco Giants kind of took some wins away and they're, they're dominating the NL West and Padres are falling off with the Cardinals hot streak. I, I just think it's, it's just a lot of tension from that building up and then maybe something just set off Machado and flared that fight. Yeah, and especially with the Padres now, they're playing the Cardinals, which is a big series because the Cardinals obviously have won seventh straight. I, I really don't see the, I really don't see the Padres in the playoffs. And, and I think like as you were talking about how like Tatis is one of the guys where he's kind of regarded as like the, kind of like one of the forefront players for this next generation where they have a lot of pressure on them, a lot of coverage, and I feel like that. This kind of happens for a lot of players, and it's happening for Otani. It's happening for Guerrero Jr. But I, but in the case of like Guerrero and Otani, where they haven't really had moments that like Tatis had last night, where like like a strikeout happens or whatnot, and and they just get visibly frustrated to the point where someone else has to. In the case of Machado, I wouldn't say he like put him in his place, but also I could say that he was trying to do that. Yeah, where do you like? Where do you guys see this beef like going to? Do you think this will escalate like during the off season? You know, to next year. Where do Where do you guys think like this will you know go through? No, no, no. no. I think they're going to be fine. Um, it was just it was just worth noting about because you know, I mean, those are two of the most prominent superstars on that team. As I said before, worth six hundred forty one million dollars to run the left side of the infield, even though Tatis now plays the outfield, but. Um, yeah, that, I think that I think that beef's going to be okay. I'm not really worried about it, but yeah, Jeremy said it was kind of just blowing off some steam. Yeah, a team that was supposed to be in the playoffs, a team that made a whole lot of moves in the off season in an effort to get to that playoffs and compete with the Dodgers, and a, lot, a couple of those moves just really not panning out. Such as Darvish. Darvish has struggled all year. I mean, the one guy who's been really dominant is Blake Snell, and I mean Musgrove's been okay. But, I mean, you would have – this team should have been in the playoffs. This team 100% should have been in the playoffs. They also made the move from Adam Frazier back by, back uh, before, a couple days before the deadline, a day before or two. But, yeah, this team this team should have been in the playoffs, and that's just a, a lot of frustration building up and blowing off. Yeah, I feel it's more of like a heat-in-the-moment type thing. I don't think it's going to be anything long-term. Definitely. Yeah, no, for sure. And just going back to your point about the St. Louis Cardinals as well, do you guys think – are you guys all in agreement with Ethan that, you know, St. Louis is going to be the second wild card spot or, you know, one of these other teams can jump in like Philadelphia or Cincinnati? I really like the Cincinnati Reds. And I'll t- I think this this Cardinals streak is really – it's nice, but I, I don't think – I don't know how long it lasts. The Reds do have a game against the Dodgers, but then ultimately what they got the Pirates after that, the Nationals, then the White Sox, and the Pirates again. So 
I really like, aside from the White Sox, they have some really winnable games against some not very good teams on that schedule. If they can do their job and win, and, and the offense clicks, I know they just got Jesse Winker back from the injured list, I think they're going to take it. Very nice. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts? Or one thing, I was looking at the Cardinals' schedule, and throughout all the games remaining this season, they do have a game against the Padres tonight. They have seven games against the Brewers. That that's going to be make or break for this team when it comes to that Brewers second wild card. Brewers spot. are still fighting for that division, and they have a really nasty pitching staff. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that Brewers team a lot. To be honest, I think th- I, I don't want to see him. Wouldn't want to see him in a five game. Wouldn't definitely wouldn't want to see him in a seven. Yeah, but oof, I know because I know because we want to wrap up. But I just want to say there's one more division worth talking about, and it's actually not about the Mets, but it's the NL East. That's a one game difference between Atlanta and Philly right now. Jeremy, who comes out of that? I got to go with the Braves. I think they're the deeper team. I like their outfield. They got a lot of depth over there. And I just, the Phillies have not proven to me that they are deserving of that spot. And I just think the Braves have a better chance at winning games down the stretch. Yeah, I I might actually, I'm going to. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think the Phillies can pull it off. They've won four straight in the case of Atlanta. They've lost four straight, and they're playing the the Giants, which is obviously that's a that's a team that's clinched the playoff spot already. Philadelphia winners of four straight. They're in city tonight, or they're in city tonight actually against the Mets. And I feel like again, it's the end of the season. It's the right time to go on a streak. And if anything, I feel like the Phillies can. Maybe usurp the Braves, or even they're still alive for a. They're still in the race, obviously, for a wild card spot as well. I know St. Louis is trending upwards as well, but they're only two and a half games back. So, if St. Louis has some trouble with Milwaukee and the Phillies keep winning, don't be surprised if they find themselves there. I think they have a they have a nice favorable schedule because after tonight against the Mets, um, regardless they won two games in the series. So if they sweep, that's a plus. But then they have Baltimore for three, Pittsburgh for four, all in Philly. That can very easily easily be five to six wins for Philadelphia. Then three in Atlanta, and then three in Miami. So I think this race is going to come down. But if we join back into this conversation in a week, I very well think that the Phillies may be in first place by the time we record our next under review episode next week yeah definitely it will definitely be important to see it will definitely be cool to see um as the coming weeks come about for the next couple of weeks uh let's take a quick break we're going to talk about nfl week two you're listening to under review on vicradio.org Up to date on all things VIC? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at VIC Radio. La la la. I love to ride my bike so I can feel the wind through my hair. Hey, kid! Wear a helmet! No, wait, Grandpa, because then I'd look like an idiot. Ah! The majority of bicycle deaths are due to head injuries. Helmets reduce the odds of a head injury by 50%. Don't be a dummy. Wear a helmet. Get out, guys! My parents are home! What's going on here? You're not mad at me for throwing a party? No, sweetie, we're just mad that you guys don't know how to party.
listen to Songs Your Dad Likes every Monday from 6 to 8 p.m. on VIC Radio. This is Under Review with Ethan Birch, Jeremy Goldstein, and Clayton Davis on VICradio.org. Welcome back to Under Review on VICradio.org. Now we've done our baseball talk. Let's get into week two of the NFL season. Of course, with my Steelers, um, it's going to be a huge game coming up against the Raiders. I think that, you know, honestly, I was very surprised from last week um, with the Buffalo Bills. I can't believe they played so well defensively, you know, the block punt and everything like that. It was just, it was just great overall. Um, and I think personally that, you know, that it's going to be a huge step-up game for Big Ben. You know, I feel as though that he didn't he didn't play to, like, the best of his ability, um, but I think that, you know, this Raiders team is definitely a lot tougher. They played a very close matchup with the Ravens last week. I think it'll definitely be, you know, uh, something to, you know, take away from the course of this game. How do you guys feel about uh, the Steelers and everything? I am really low on the Steelers. And I, I'm not necessarily saying this because I have any sort of dislike to them or hatred for them. I think they, one, should have moved on from Big Ben in the offseason because I think he's literally what held them back from a playoff. And obviously the defense did not play well against Cleveland in that, in that playoff game. But watching that Bills game, yes, they won. But it's, they're so reliant on their defense to win games, it's kind of unhealthy. And then second of all, you, the team drafted Najee Harris, who is really talented and has a chance to really revitalize that run game, and he did not get enough looks. And Ben was not setting him up on passes when they were trying to hit him in the red zone. So unless, obviously, there's plenty of time for something to change because the Steelers do have capabilities of winning games. But as long as Big Ben's quarterbacking and they're still passing way more than they're running, I don't see them being able to take that next step and get past where they did last year. No, no, I definitely get that. I think just, you know, they just have to really look at their weapons, really look at their offensive weapons, and utilize them to the best of their ability. Um, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on the Steelers thus far? Uh, not really. In, in the case, I I know that the game against Buffalo, uh, that was a big win for this team, cause considering the season that Buffalo came off of. And again, for against the Raiders today, I'm a real, I really don't have that many thoughts on the Steelers. I feel like it's just going to be a good game. Definitely for sure. Ethan? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Jeremy here. I don't I don't know if the Steelers necessarily have an identity yet in 2021. I think they're, they're going to find that. But I think this defense is not to be joking around with. It's a very, very good defense that I think won them that game against Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo, who's expected to be in the AFC Championship, if that, I mean, at minimal, be in the AFC Championship this year after the past couple of years of success, that they, they won a really good game and they got the job done, but I think Ben Roethlisberger needs to be better. And I don't know how good or how much better he can get. You know, he's up in age, he's been playing in this league for a while, and uh, Tom Brady makes it look easy. Not many other people can play football into the high 30s and 40s and have success. Yeah. I mean, Brady, we're just living a, it seems like a fantasy with Tom Brady that he's 40, now 44 years old and he can still do it as if he was 24. But listen, I, I agree with Jeremy. I think Najee Harris should be worked in a little bit more. I think I think Harris is a stud. I do. He, he, what what separates him from other backs in this league is he, he's a, he could play out of the backfield as a receiver as well, and he's pretty darn good doing it as well. So I think that he needs to be worked in a whole lot more. And yeah, you just want to get the guy. You want to get guys the football 
like Juju, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. You want to make these guys make plays. And I think Big Ben needs to work that. And listen, this is not going to be an offense that is going to work you downfield. It's going to be quick plays, and that they need to work on that specifically. Big Ben doesn't want, want, doesn't want to be in the pot have the ball in the pocket more than four or five seconds. He needs to get rid of the ball right away because that's what that offense did. This is what that offense did last year, which what got him to a 10-0 starter. However far it did, it's because they succeeded like that. That's how your offense is going to click. It's not going to be downfield like the Chiefs where you're just running four verts and finding Tyreek Hill in the end zone because, according to Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek is back there somewhere. But that's how that offense needs to work. And if they are going to be a football team that's going to contend for a potential Super Bowl, which is the absolute mindset because Big Ben, obviously, coming at the end, he came back to win to get another ring. Yes. And if that's what he's going to do, that's where they're going to need to thrive. So the defense is going to be good. I just don't know if the Steelers have an identity on offense yet. Yeah, I feel as though, like, bringing up your point, I feel as though that Big Ben is having a hard time, you know, releasing the football because he's so much older in age. You know what I mean? And it's just it's hard to get the ball out. Um, and everything like that, and you know, hopefully he can you like you know working with Matt Canada, who is their new working with Matt Canada, who is their new working with Matt Canada, who is their new coordinator, and uh, you know working with uh, Najee Harris, um, they could be able to you know pull it through and be able to win. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, and I know we were talking about the defense, but for the Raiders, at least one of their primary weapons on offense, Josh Jacobs, is not going to be playing today. So that that's a big thing that could change the momentum. And it's going to come down to yeah, Kenyon Drake's going to be interesting to watch for today because last year he was, especially fantasy wise, he was a struggle for a lot of people because he did not come through with the goal line a lot, wasn't able to punch it in from one yard away. This really wasn't a reliable workhorse like we saw him in Arizona the year prior, and maybe even in Miami in, in past years as well. So I wonder what, what John Gruden's going to make his role. I think they're going to still stick to a heavy passing game and. It'll rely on Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, and, and, co- and company to to make plays and, and, and do stuff downfield. Uh, obviously, the pass rush is going to have to have an impact. I think that's a big key to winning football games. It's a big reason why the Giants didn't win their game on Thursday night. They didn't get to Heineke a lot. And the Steelers are very good at doing that, obviously, and, and they force turnovers. So they, they, they should win this game, if, if you're really logically speaking. It's just I don't know if the Raiders are going to have the toughest time stopping the Steelers on defense. Definitely, that's for sure. Any last uh, points before we head into the rest of the games for today? Absolutely, and I just want to say that I don't want to take anything away from the Steelers' win last week because that was a really good win. Really good win against a really good team, so I'm not taking anything away from them. Hope it didn't sound like that. But the Raiders, they also had a really nice win, and you can put it whatever way you want, but that team won a huge game in Vegas, so... That was fun to watch as well. I mean, Las, Las Vegas getting a football game. Yeah. Oh, that, with all that those was, fans there. Yeah. Oh, it looked absolutely electric. So I, I'm happy that the Raiders won that game. That was fun. But yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? I think this is going to be a good game as well. Derek Carr was fun to watch. For the first time, I can say, wow, Derek Carr was fun to watch. Yeah. I've always had uh, probably negative things today, but this guy threw for 435 yards of passing. I mean, that's insane. And he dropped a dime into the end zone for the game winning touchdown. Fun team, going to be a fun game. My prediction is, ooh, I didn't even think about it, Steelers. Steelers, Steelers 21-17. I think it's going to be 27-20 Steelers. I think it's going to be a very close game. Kyle, about you? I'm gonna be, I didn't really have a score prepared, but I, I'm, just to make it interesting, I'm going to go with the Raiders. I feel like Derek Carr is going to continue that momentum. Yeah, I think the Steelers should win this game, but I think the Raiders win by 14. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, so, yeah. All right. So, enough of the Steelers. Let's look at the other 1 o'clock games. Uh, we got the 49ers and the Eagles. 
Um, the Eagles had a great game last week against the uh, Falcons. Jalen Hurts played absolutely spectacular. Um, what are what are his expect? What are your expectations for the Eagles um, coming into this game? This is a game to look to watch for because you have two teams who had really good weeks respectively. The Eagles, well, the Falcons aren't the greatest team, but the Eagles definitely exceeded expectations in terms of how their offense played, especially and their defense. And then you have the Niners, who should have had a blowout, but had a bit of a scare at the end of the game. Almost choked a really a four touchdown lead in the fourth quarter, which was kind of kind of wild. So it'll be interesting to see after a great defensive week from the Eagles, can the Niners put up a lot of points on the board again? And can their defense hold up against the Eagles offense that looked like they can drive down the field against anyone last week? So I think this will get us closer to sort of identifying who these teams truly are. I think that's the thing about week one. You have so many teams who have either fluke games or they do something they're usually they, – they have a – what's the word I'm looking for? Just a random good week in week one, which you really can't tell if it's random at the time. So I think this is one of those games that's going to help us look towards – Finding the identity of who teams are, and, I, and that's something I'm looking forward to seeing. Definitely, yeah, Ethan. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm curious to see what this Eagles team is going to look like because I don't think Atlanta is very good, but they gave it to him, and that's all that matters. And Hertz was really, really good. So I'm excited to see, and I agree with Jeremy. I think this is going to be we're going to figure out who the Eagles are this week because if they get if if they get messed around today by by a good 49ers team, we'll know. We'll, we'll kind of figure it out a little bit. But if the Eagles play another good game, I mean. It's kind of a threat, and for, for, for myself, I'm going to be upset about it. I don't, I don't want that. I don't like that team at all. I don't want them to play well, but we'll see. Kyle, how about you? And again, for Jalen Hurts and this Eagles offense, I, I feel like against Atlanta, obviously, week one, you're able to kind of move around a bit more, have some fun. But for the 49ers, I feel like obviously it's week two. You got to start to focus again. And Again, this week we're talking about for like identifying. I feel like this week we're gonna really see who who Jalen Hurts is and how he plays as a quarterback against a tolerant team. Definitely, it will be uh, very interesting to see how Jalen Hurts plays in the next game. We got about five minutes left um, of under under review uh, before the next show, um, so let's just pinball around um, all the other games um, over the course of the week. So first, starting off with the Texans and the Browns. Um, guys, what do you guys have for predictions there? It would be fun to see if the Texans could have some sort of a competent week again after their win against the Jaguars last week. But I still think the Browns, who really competed well with the Chiefs last week, are going to have a field day in this one. Yeah, I also picked the Browns for my Yahoo survival pool. So I think they'll get the job done, no doubt. I'm not really worried about that one. I'm going with the Browns. I need Nick Chubb to go off for me in fantasy another week. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with the Browns as well. A lot of uh, great offensive weapons that they have there um, to utilize as well. Uh, Broncos and Jaguars. Who you guys got in that one? Broncos. Yeah, I'll go with Denver as well. I really don't think uh, Jacksonville looked competent last week at all. Yeah, we're going to go for uh, at least a clean sweep for three people. I'm going to go with Denver and Teddy Bridgewater looking pretty good in this uh, mile-high city. I think Trevor Lawrence uh, played pretty well last week. You know, consider- yeah, yeah. Considering you know, also had three touchdowns. Also, had th- yeah, also had three touchdowns. So I think that you know Trevor Lawrence is really going to regain his confidence over the course of next week, and I think they'll win this one. Uh, next, Saints and Panthers. That's going to be actually a fun game because the Panthers had a win last week against the Jets, and Darnold looked pretty looked pretty good. I'm not going to lie. So I'm actually excited for that one, but. 
I think the Saints have a lot to prove this week because they went out there and absolutely dominated. The expectations are high for that offense. So I want to see Jameis Winston go to work. I mean, I like his story. I like Jameis Winston. I don't know why, but I just kind of like him, you know. When you get that feeling that you don't really want to like someone, but you do, I like Jameis Winston. Let's go Saints. I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and pick the Panthers. I think the Saints are an all right team, but I believe that was a bit of a outstretched win, meaning I don't think they're that, as good as that. You know, I think they'll, they'll be a solid team. They'll win some games this year. But I think the Packers were pretty much the reason why the Saints were able to score all those points and, and look like they did. So I'm actually going to go with the Panthers in a trap game for the Saints. I feel like I'm going to go with Saints on this one, but again, for Jameis Winston, it's week two, coming off of the the massive week that he had against Green Bay, where you're, you're going to have to continue that momentum and show that you're going to be the guy. I'm going to go with the last. We're going to go with the last four games. Um, here, I I pick the Saints. Um, with that one, uh, Rams and Colts. Rams and Colts. I got Indianapolis. I like that D. Wow, that's actually that's a bold statement. I'm going Los Angeles. Love that offense. Going Rams, L.A. I'm going to go with Rams as well. Bills and Dolphins. Bills. I'm going to go. I like. I'm. I'm feeling bold this morning. I like Miami. I really do. I feel like the Bills, after last week's showing, have to show that they're still that team from last year. I feel like they're going to get back in the win column. And then our our. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, on Under Review, we uh, cut short on time. Um, my thanks to Jeremy, Ethan, and Kyle. I've been Clayton Davis. Thank you for listening to Under Review. We'll see you next time.